Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Aura Nadrich. She is an author. She's a speaker. She's the, a coach and the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. I am excited to welcome Aura Nadrich to the show. Welcome, Aura. Hi, Dr. Paul. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to get into a conversation with you. One of your specialties is, is mindfulness. Now, that's an interesting word, and I would love to give you an opportunity to share with our audience, maybe first of all, what that is, the way you define it, and why are you so passionate about this topic? I am passionate about it. It never ceases to amaze me that whenever it gets brought up, I get excited talking about it. Mm. And basically, for those that are not familiar with what mindfulness is, first of all, if I were to ask anybody, what comes up for you when you say the word mindfulness? Well, we could break it down and say being mindful, being thoughtful. Do you know? And it really is that. That's a good starting point for what really is the practice of being mindful, being in the present moment with total awareness. When we're present, we're more likely to be mindful of our thoughts, our deeds, our actions, our behaviors. And then we're more thoughtful and aware and mindful of others. And that sort of is like the rippling effect it goes far and wide. So if we're mindful, we can be mindful to ourselves, which is being in the present moment with non-judgment, acceptance, self-love. And if we hold that as our benchmark for how we treat ourselves, then we're much more inclined to treat others with the same mindfulness. I've, I've often thought that either, either we, we establish this mindfulness that you're referring to, this presence, consciousness. There's so many ways that we can start to describe that. Either we tune into that or we get to be driven by our thoughts. It's like we drive our thoughts or our thoughts drive us. And which position do we want to be in? And I'm hearing from you that there's, there's some intentionality to this, that you can actually choose to be in a position of being present, being mindful, being consciously aware right. of what's going on in our mind. Yes, that's exactly right. To be consciously aware of the thoughts and the activity that's going on in our mind. You know, we think approximately between 40 and 70,000 thoughts a day. I mean, that's an ex- staggering amount of 
activity yeah. going on up here. Now, we're not cognizant of every single thought that we're thinking. Some of them are on a more subconscious level. Some of them are on a conscious mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. But the ones that usually get our attention are those negative or fear-based thoughts. Those are the thoughts that usually end up looping in our mind. And we start to go over them again and again and again, which sometimes can cause us anxiety, depression. There's all sorts of emotions that can be connected to the thoughts that that we have. So what mindfulness does is it gives you the awareness of when a thought comes up that's not very positive and it's causing us some displeasure or anxiety, as I said, or sadness or worry. And we can be very aware of that thought and decide in that moment, what do I want to do with this thought? Do I want to just succumb to it? Do I want to surrender to it? Do I want to allow it to take me over? And I have a technique in my first book, Says Who, How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever, which is called the Release and Replace Technique. It is quite simple. Mm. And basically what it means is to acknowledge your negative or fear-based thought and replace it with its positive counterpart. Now, that's a very simple exercise to do. And for even anybody who might be resistant to that for whatever reasons, when I ask them to do this exercise, they feel the difference in their body. When I ask them, which of those two thoughts feels better in your body, you know, getting somatic with the mind-body connection, does the positive thought, I love myself, feel good? Or does the thought, I hate myself, feel better? Which of those two thoughts feels better inside your body? It's kind of a no-brainer. Do you know? (laughs) Well, the trick here gets to the very essence of of the strategy that you're sharing with us. And it has to do with acknowledging or recognizing or even noticing that it is, in fact, a choice. It is. It doesn't feel like a choice. It doesn't. You said earlier, Dr. Paul, that, you know, are we thinking our mind? Is our mind thinking us? Do you know, Mm. when we really start to understand that we are, as I say in my book says who, we are the creator and master of our inner dialogue, which creates our reality. Now, if you connect the thoughts, do you know, thoughts create feelings, create emotions, create behavior, create actions, and those actions are part of the cause and effect that creates our reality. So I really ask people to connect the dots and it makes you understand that, hey, I have a say in the matter. I can actually pick and choose the thoughts that I want to hold on to or the thoughts that I want to let go of by doing something as simple as the release and replace technique. I think the title of that book is a clue. (laughs) It certainly is. Says who? I like the way you say it. Says who? And I encourage people to say that with a little bit of a sassy tone. Says who? Who said I have to believe that thought? Who said I have to accept that thought? Who said I have to feel miserable because of a thought that's telling me I should feel miserable? You know, we got to challenge our thoughts. We we accept them so readily. And I'd like to use the example that if you were holding a baby in your arms and somebody came up to you and tried to hurt that baby, you would protect it. And you would do everything in your power to protect that baby from harm. Yet we accept these thoughts in our own mind that tell us how horrible we are. And we accept those thoughts so readily. 
A, a good example. I'm not good enough. Or this is never going to happen for me. <laughs> right. All right. Now, and it's, it's interesting, or as a psychologist, I've, I've wondered about this, because why do we just wholeheartedly just buy it? And it's because it's in our own voice. Right. And we have a tendency to believe what we think. Without question. And, and you know, we all, okay, we all have an inner critic to varying degrees, you mm. know? And sometimes that maybe some people have said to me, well, my inner critic sometimes inspires me to do better. Well, I say to that mm. person, well, if calling yourself an idiot is what's going to, you know, jumpstart you doing something better. You might want to find other things to tell yourself to get you to get ahead or to reach your goals. You don't have to be self-deprecating. You don't have to tell yourself how terrible you are in order to do better. You, know, you might want right. to think about saying, I can do better. I'm enough. I'm worthy. I'm lovable. I will succeed. I mean, why accept telling yourself terrible things about yourself? Invariably, you're going to start to believe that. And mm -hmm. what's going to happen is those negative things that you tell yourself become a part of your core beliefs about yourself. Right. And the fact that you think it doesn't make it true. That's right. In, in fact, it's really risky territory. Let's take that that thought, I'm not good enough. And I've asked some of my clients this, who, who really believes that, that you're not good enough? And hardly anyone can give me an example of anyone on the planet who actually believes that they're not good enough. Right. It, the only one that believes that is you. And it's just because you believed a thought I, I love what you're suggesting to us or that maybe we could just back up a little and think about our thinking and, and not even really think about it, but observe it and, and notice it and see that there may be some choice in it. Noticing it is part of a mindfulness practice of noting, noting that, Oh, I just told myself I'm not, I'm not good enough. Oh, I just told myself I'm a mm. horrible person and do it with observation as opposed to reactivity. Like you're a witness, you're, you're, you're observing the own activity of your mind. Do you know? And I bring that up and, and says who, you know, try and be an observer. You know, the more you observe the activities of your own thinking mind, the more mm -hmm. you really can not be reactive to it because you're taking that pause. You're saying, well, here I go again, tell, telling myself something pretty terrible about myself. Says who is a perfect question to ask yourself. And what you said earlier about people that really have these, you know, thoughts like I'm not good enough, I'm a horrible person, you know, the imposter syndrome, I'm going to be found out that I'm really not what, you know, I'm pretending to be. There's all this guard variety of thinking that we tell ourselves it's very negative. And one of the second questions of my says who method, which is based on seven cognitive questions to ask yourself to challenge those negative and fear-based thoughts. The second question of the says who method is, have I heard someone say this thought before? Because if you really spend a, a little bit of time there, when you say things like, I'm stupid, I'm not good enough, I'm this, I'm that, 
I've worked with so many people that really have a major aha moment, which is really what, how the says method came to be was with a coaching client I had who was walking around for most of her life with a very negative thought that wasn't even her own. It was her father's fear-based thought that she took on as her own. So you might be able to identify who told you you were horrible, who told you you weren't good enough, who mm. told you you weren't smart enough, who told you you'll, you'll never succeed. I can tell you that most often people can connect the dots and it's very profound for them when they recognize that they remember being told the first thing that made them feel less than. Mm. And oftentimes, sadly but true, they carry that into adulthood. And you can change that at any time in your life, by the way. You can turn that thought around at any time in your life. Now, wait, that's a novel idea. <laughs> you can change this? Wow, imagine that. We can change our thoughts. Who knew? Well, this gets right back to where, where we started in this conversation about either you drive your thoughts or your thoughts drive you. There, who's in charge here anyway? Who's in the driver's seat? Want to ask yourself, who's, who's in the driver's seat of your thinking mind? Are you or... Are you giving it over to who? Is there some little person in there? Right. Some little character in your head that's like telling you what to think? I don't think so. Right. And and the thoughts, as you said, they have a source. Sometimes you can trace it back to something that you heard in your childhood, maybe from an important person in your life, and it gets ingrained and then you just carry it with you. Notice that you're carrying it with you. Noting. Noting is a very big part. Dr. Paul yes. about the mindfulness practice, noting, noting, let me know what, what are the thoughts that I'm holding in my mind right now? And, and in the noting of it, it puts you back in a position of choice. I I've said this to my clients so many times until you see it as a choice. It's not exactly right. And we just roll with whatever we're programmed. Wow. Or as we get into our second half today, I would love to, to get some more practical ideas about how we can actually implement some of these practices to become more mindful and uh, maybe observant of our own mind. Does that sound good to you? Yes, absolutely. Folks, this is Aura Nadrich at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com. And we're back. Aura Nadrich today at Live On Purpose Radio. Aura, I think we're on a similar mission here. 
I, I like to say sometimes that my job is illuminating the obvious, um, which is kind of fun because there's obvious processes going on. The very fact that we have thoughts is something that we don't often notice. Now, it's obvious when it's called to our attention, but we get so lost in our own mind sometime that we don't stop to observe that we're actually having thoughts and that we may have something to do with steering those thoughts or choosing what direction we go with those thoughts. Uh, you've shared with us some very uh, practical starting points. Even the title of that book says who? Um, the, the thought comes in and you just ask that. Says who? Says who? Who is saying this thought in my mind? You know, and when we say I am, by the way, I commend anybody who's willing to take that first step. Because mm. what that really is suggesting is that you're really willing to look at your thoughts closely or more closely. Right. And you're willing to change the ones that don't serve your well-being. You right. Know? And the first question of the says who method is says who? Who is saying this thought in my mind really is asking you to own your thought, to own that negative thought which is a brave move because that means you're ready to change those thoughts, those negative and fear-based thoughts. You can't change them if you're not willing to really look at them closely. Do you know? And that's what this method is all about is to look at our thoughts more closely and to work with them. They're there for a reason. They want our help. They want us to work with them. Our thoughts don't want to cause us suffering, meaning that, we're creating those thoughts. So what I'm really saying essentially is that we don't really want to cause ourselves suffering, do we? Well, a good way to counter that is to work with the thoughts that are causing us suffering. And we have the power to do so. You know, it's, it's almost laughable when we, when, <laughs> we get, when we get to that level of mindfulness where we actually see that, okay, I'm thinking... <laughs> something that's causing me misery. And then it's like, wait, I'm thinking this. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that you, you really shined a light on the sort of laughable aspect of this because it is real. Some of my says who questions, one of my favorite says who question is my third question. Do I like this thought? I have presented that to so many people that are like looping on a thought that's clearly causing them concern, worry, unhappiness, anxiety, you name it. And I just gently lean in. I've had, I had a woman's group for 10 years and I've done a lot of public events and workshops, et cetera. Well, I'll just lean in and say, can I ask you something? And I go, sure. I go, do you like that thought? And it just stops them in their tracks when they're telling themselves something like, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> and they, they, it's like it short circuits the, what I call being on the hamster wheel, where you start right. to repeat that thought over and over again. And they stop. And it's suddenly like, boing. <laughs> and they, they have an aha moment. They go, no, I don't like this thought. As a matter of fact, I hate that thought. And I take it one step further. I go, okay, okay, could just, why don't you just be with that? Be with the fact that you're allowing yourself to spend time with a thought that you don't not even just like. like you're it. telling me you hate this thought. 
how about you work on getting rid of that thought that you don't like very much? You know, these are logical questions, Dr. Paul. That's why it's kind of laughable. It really is. And another follow-up question, this one catches people off guard sometimes too, because I've, I've been in a similar position where the next lean in question is, do you have to keep thinking that? <laughs> yes. What do you, what do, you mean? do I have to? See, they've never really even questioned it at that point. You bingo. You literally just hit on something that I, I think it's important to just take a moment on. Mm-hmm. So many people will say to me, you know, Aura, I never even thought to question my thoughts. Uh, It's a whole new concept for people. Like I never thought to question a thought, or as I say, challenge your thought, hold it accountable, you know, really be able to say, you know, questions like, do I like this thought? Does this thought make me feel better? Which is another says who question, Mm -hmm. does this thought work for me? Or let me add your thought, your question into the mix, Dr. Paul, do you have to keep thinking this thought, you know? Those logical questions really stop people in their tracks. They suddenly get the fact that they can question continuing to keep these thoughts alive in their mind. They have a say in the matter. Do you know? So the whole concept, the whole notion of that we have a right to question those thoughts and to challenge them is very empowering for people. The question itself is empowering because it introduces a whole new possibility. Yes. And we do get into habits. Uh, I've noticed this as I work with my clients, I'm sure you have as well, that we get into habits of thinking and it's easier to simply think what we've thought in the past. And that doesn't mean we have to, it doesn't mean there's no other alternatives. You know, Allowing yourself to keep thinking negative thoughts is something I think it's important to question because what would you do if you stop thinking those negative thoughts? It can make people nervous. Gee, if I stop being negative, who am I going to be? Where does that leave me? Yeah, I've I've had people, I have something, a chapter in says who called the something to worry about thoughts. And, you know, worrying, we're all going to worry, but worrying continuously does nothing for us. There are other things that I suggest that we can do when we're in a state of worry. You know, if you're worrying about yourself in some way, what are some of the meditations you can do? What are some of the affirmations you can tell yourself? What are some of the prayers that you can do? If you're worrying about someone else, worrying about them is not going to help. Why don't you maybe do some exercises like visualization? Imagine them surrounded by white light. Say prayers for them. Do you know, there's a lot of other things we can do other than just staying stuck in the looping of worry. So I, you know, I've taught this to so many people. And one of my clients once said to me, Aura, you know, I'm such a worry wart and I'm such a negative thinker that I've been really implementing the says who method. And I find myself less of a negative person. And she said, and I've been doing the something to worry about exercises that you have. And she said, I found myself for two hours not worrying. And I was like, what's wrong? I'm not worrying. There must be something wrong with me. Do you know, these become habits and we can change these habits. You know, we can change our negative thinking habits to positive thinking habits. 
You know, we can learn new ways of thinking. That's the beauty of all of this is that we can really develop new healthy habits of thinking. It's exciting. I want to run this by you because I've, I've been postulating, kind of theorizing that the natural state of our mind is peace. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of arguments about that because of all the noise that people hear, right. <laughs> right? all of those thoughts. But when we do mindfulness practices, and maybe you've got one you can suggest to us, um, when we do mindfulness practices, we find ourselves going to a place of, of peace. You know, when we're fully present, it, you were talking about worry. I love what Dan Zadra said about this. He said, worry is the misuse of imagination, mm-hmm. which itself is a, a mindfulness kind of an, a realization. It is. It's beautiful. It, we waste an inordinate amount of time, which is really what my book, Live True, addresses. Uh, Live True, mm-hmm. a mindfulness guide to authenticity. And I really break it down into you know segments. The first one being about time, because I really want the readers to understand how much time we waste on things like worry, things like negative thoughts, you know, we really can get stuck in those thinking patterns that absolutely do not serve our well-being at all. Right, right. So again, having that awareness, things like noting, being aware of, oh, there goes my mind again, telling me something negative. What does this thought do for me? Does it do anything positive for me? Is it helping me anyway? And if you subscribe to the says who method and my live, uh, my release and replace technique, there are skill sets and tools and techniques and methods that we can use that really change these habits of thinking, if you will, Mm -hmm. to go from these negative thinking habits to positive thinking habits. You know, they're wonderful tools. I have plenty of them in my books. You just have to be willing to try. You have to be willing to say, you know what? I want to give this a go. I want to try this and see for yourself. Observe your mind yourself. You're going to start to see changes in the way you think. And I will bet you anything you're going to like it. You're going to start to like the way you think a whole lot better than maybe when you were thinking or allowing for, I should say, Mm. those negative thoughts to take you over. You are allowing for that to happen. As if they're the boss of you. Right, exactly. Don't we tell that to children, you know, or we teach children to say that you're not the boss of me. That's a great thing to say about your own thoughts. They're not the boss of you. You are, again, to quote what I say in Sazu, you are the creator and master of your internal dialogue, which creates your reality. What do you want that to be? You're powerful. You know, we are very powerful. We just need to discipline our mind. You know, it's like an exercising. You know, you said mental hygiene. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Dr. Paul. These are disciplines. This is the way in which we take care of ourselves. This is self-care. Do you know? And the more you develop these skill sets, the stronger your mind gets. And it's no longer running the show. Right. Let's get your mind working for you, not the other way around. Exactly right. Or you've mentioned both books. There's the Says Who, which we've referred to a number of times. And you've got another book out called Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. 
I know that both of these books are available on Amazon. Yes, uh, they are. And I've also, last year during the pandemic, I'm proud to say that I created a journal out of my Live True book, you know, trying to take a difficult and challenging time and know that yes. we create positivity even during difficulty. So there's a journal out called the Live True Daily Journal, which is an eight-week journal. It's really lovely to start to develop those new positive thinking habits because it takes approximately eight weeks or a couple of months to really solidify those new healthy thinking habits where they become solid for us, mm. you know? I'm glad you said that because it's not enough. I mean, even here in this podcast conversation that we had today, I know that there are many of you listeners who are having the lights go on, that you're realizing some things, you're noticing some things maybe that you didn't notice before. And this is what we call breakthrough learning, where you, you have an aha experience. Well, there's also a transformational process that occurs as we reprogram and develop new habits and practice new ways of thinking, that doesn't necessarily come naturally. That's going to take a little work. So I'm glad that you said that, Aura. And you've got some resources available to help people to do that. I do. In, in Live True, each chapter ends with a meditation that is super helpful, you know, to really take the essence of what the chapter is about and be able to practice the meditation. And by the way, you don't need to be a meditator to do these meditations. They're very instructional and they're really helpful Wonderful. to help us be in the present moment and to be positive. And it's very much directed towards affirmations that can support us. And there's something called note to self at the end of each chapter which is a little gem, a takeaway to remind you really what the essence of that chapter is. So it's chock full of so many wonderful, you know, things that you can do to be more present, to be really in the moment as your most authentic, beautiful self. And I think both books really support the you that you are, the best that you can be. Do you know? They're mm. very supportive and they're very helpful to remind you of who you are and what you're capable of. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing those resources with, with us, folks. Uh, Aura Nadrich, it's spelled N-A-D-R-I-C-H. And if you go to Amazon, you'll find both of her books, Live True and Says Who. Uh, <laughs> I have to say it that way. I really like the way you've said it throughout this interview. <laughs> You, it's great. That way we can challenge our own thoughts, become more mindful, become more present. I, I believe that as we do that, we can get ourselves into a position where we experience a fuller measure of joy and satisfaction and happiness in our lives. Aura, is there uh, something else you'd like to share as, as we close the podcast today? Thank you, Dr. Paul, for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I want to say to your audience, start today. You know, there's, there's no better time than now. Talk about the present moment. Now is the present moment. So there's no better time than the present moment to start the very things that you and I discussed today, these practices, these skill sets, and really, you know, take that first step mm -hmm. towards being more present, more loving, and to show up for yourself as the best person that you can be. 
Oh, beautifully said. You've heard the invitation. It's now time for all of us to go live on purpose. <laughs>